Welcome to the Medical Receptionist Network podcast show. I'm your host, Siobhan Atkins. Join us as we discuss the importance of clerical and administrative roles and their impact on the healthcare industry. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Medical Receptionist Network podcast show. Today I have a very special guest, Coley Bennett. She is a certified medical manager, a certified compliance officer, and also a member of the National Advisory Board uh, for PACOM, which is the Professional Association of Healthcare Office Management. Um, so we're going to welcome Coley. Hi, Coley. How are you? Hi, how are you? <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Um, so Coley and I met about two years ago at a conference, and we pretty much immediately had, you know, we're able to kind of hang out and have some really good conversation um, and experience the com- some of the conference segments together. And we have been able to stay in contact, and it's been a pleasure for me to have her on today, and I'm actually on site, which we haven't done um, so far, so it's really good to actually be here and visit her office and, you know, understand exactly what she does on a daily basis. So, Coley's practice is specialized in behavioral health. Is that, would you say behavioral health? Okay. So, psychotherapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, Mm -hmm. and other psychiatric disorders. We're going to get into more of that. <laughs> but Definitely interesting. Definitely, definitely. interesting. <laughs> Absolutely. So you seem to have been very dedicated to your own professional growth, and yes. you know you have some great credentials. Thank you. Can you tell us how that has enhanced your career personally? It's been a whirlwind. Um, you know, quite often professional women and others don't realize how much you know until you actually sit down and, and, and speak with people who maybe do the same thing that you do, kind of like when we met. Right. Um, it can be. It can be very interesting to kind of sit back and maybe take an exam or, um, it, like in Paycom, talk to other people in the profession, and you realize you have this wealth of information that you've actually only worked with and not got full credit for. Right. Um, so. Uh, once I realized I was a lot smarter than I gave myself credit for, <laughs> I decided that I should probably put a name on it. Okay. Names are marketable. Right. Skills are proof, but names are marketable. Right. Um, so I joined Paycom. Um, uh, once I joined Paycom, I decided that I needed to be a certified medical manager. Okay. I, um, I'm a very good student. I studied hard. I read the books. You know, I made some pre-tests and did, did those kind of things. You know, I'm kind of type yes, A. Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so I sat for my CMM and sailed through that. And then I discovered that having that CMM added real value to my work. Right. Not only a knowledge base, but some zeros on the back of the paycheck. Right. Um, right. So that's very important. Right. right. Um, so I said, if the CMM can do that, well, let me see what other... Um, what my other skills translate into. Right. And um, I discovered that being a compliance officer fits very well with being a certified medical manager. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of verifying the things that you do as a manager. Right. So it, hand in hand, and so far so good, it's built a very nice career. There are a couple of other things I want to add on, but I'm in no rush. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, and, and, you know, that's impressive, just what you've, you've done alone. 
I, I personally have not gotten my certified medical manager. That is a goal of my of mine. Um, but it's definitely, you know, when you take those extra steps to broaden your education and add to your value for yourself and your, your practice or your, you know, your medical office is always very helpful. So do you, do you believe, and I'm, I'm pretty sure you're going to say yes, um, that career development and training increases confidence and dedication? Without question. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like knowing what you're doing. I mean, we have, we do a lot of tasks throughout the day that we kind of just blow off as things that we just naturally do. But sometimes you do things that bring a specific value to a specific situation. For example, way back when, when the dinosaurs roamed the earth and I was a a medical receptionist. um, Right. (laughs) (laughs) um, I used to have a very distinct way I would answer the telephone. Okay. And, um, you know, I try to be a very pleasant person, but I would answer the phone and, and I wanted people to hear my smile through mm-hmm. my voice. I wanted them to hear that I cared through my voice mm-hmm. and I wanted them to, to walk away from this encounter with me, um, understanding that this was a place where people actually cared about you. Right. So I didn't realize it at the time that that was something valuable oh, yeah. until I heard other people answering the phone and, and it wasn't that they were doing it wrong. They were just doing it differently. Right. And then I discovered that the doctors liked the way I did that. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, I had a little office of my own where I right. did nothing but answer the phone <laughs> and, you know, send calls to other people. Right. Um, and um, having an entrepreneurial spirit, I said, well, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Hey, this, I can work with this a little bit and, and see where I can grow with this. And before you know it, I was no longer a receptionist. I was a part of the admin team, so I had other responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And then I was a scheduling coordinator. Fancy name for a person who answers the phone. Right. <laughs> Scheduled the appointments, right? right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now I can be trusted here. with a computer, you know. Right. Um, and, and slowly uh, kind of worked my way through the admin um, responsibilities in the office. I learned okay. billing, um, primary, secondary, tertiary. I learned um, um, how to negotiate contracts with payers, which That's is extremely extraordinarily yeah. marketable skill. Yes. Um, and all of these little pieces, at the time when I was learning them, I thought, okay, well, this is just making me a little bit more secure with this job. Right. But ultimately, when you put all those pieces together, you step back and you go, wait a minute, I have a career. Yeah. I have a Absolutely. career with a base of knowledge, and I can stand in front of a group of anybody and tell them the right way to answer the phone. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And that's extremely important. And having someone answer the phone, you know, just those skills that... It, it, you mean, when you take it apart, it's one, you know, small mm-hmm. thing. But overall, after you've answered 200 phone calls, trust me, it makes a difference. Sure. <laughs> you know, it makes you know. a difference how the other person on the other end is going to receive you. And um, definitely adding, you know, value. And so before I ask my next question, mm-hmm. no, I'm going to ask the next question. How long have you been working in healthcare? Um, It's going to be, let's see. Am I going to include when I was an optician? Because then... <laughs> Include everything. We want to know because there are so many different paths. Let's see. Um, you know, in healthcare, and it's important for people to hear. You know how people got to where they are. Twenty-one years. Twenty-one years. Okay. Twenty-one years. Okay. But uh, you know, I bounced around for a while. Okay. Um, my love is people. Uh, I really, I enjoy the quirkiness, um, the individuality of people. Okay. Um, I find joy in things that make people happy. Okay. Um, 
And that doesn't change according to specialty because people are people no matter what their issues are. So I decided to start at something that didn't bleed or ooze, and that was eyes. Okay. Um, And then I discovered that eyes indeed do ooze. Um, So I had to move to another body part. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Right? So, you know, I didn't want to get, you know, too uh, medical. Right. Um, And then, you know, I had a job in cardiology, which I loved because, you know, people... um, have to see cardiologists for certain medical conditions quite often. Right. Um, so I had more patient contact. Okay. And I decided from that that maybe I should go into patient advocacy. So okay. I started studying to be a patient advocate, um, and that took me to an emergency room. Oh, wow. Right. Okay. Where you can't avoid oozing. Right. <laughs> you, know? you can't avoid anything. <laughs> right, right. So um, I, I stayed clinical for a little while um, mm. because it's exciting. Um, and I, I fancy myself sort of an adrenaline junkie in that regard, you know, then it wasn't that exciting anymore, Mm -hmm. you know, the newness wore off the whole thing, and I said, let me go back behind a desk where life is good, you know, pay is better, (laughs) right? and, and, you know, no one's bleeding on me, right? Um, so when I came back, I discovered the industry had changed, and significantly so, Um, and I said, wow, I missed all this, right? this is much more exciting than I gave it credit for, so I got all my little pieces that I learned how to do, and I put together a ragtag resume, and I keep that resume to this day because, I mean, it's bad. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't hire me, you know. <laughs> One of my skills was answers phones. You know? Right. <laughs> so, you know, right. um, I got a job, believe it or not, with a crappy resume at an OB office, and um, I learned a lot from that manager. That manager kind of took me in, dusted me off, mm-hmm. showed me the ropes. Um, she taught me about managing people, mm-hmm. um, and it was amazing. I had so much fun kind of just sitting at her feet and learning all the things that she had not yet placed a value on. Right. Um, but I knew the value game at this point, and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, that's a marketable skill. Let's put that in the basket. Yeah. And, and at the end of my tenure with this, this particular company, they moved in another direction, and I moved in a separate direction, and... I felt like there were so many other things that I can accomplish now because I learned these these skill sets from this woman who was kind enough to share it with me. Okay. Yeah. So I'm and that leads me to you know just them you you're you focused on the importance of a manager who mm-hmm. took the time to show you things, you yes. know, and to not only train you, teach you, you know, guide you in in that way. And how how important has that been in your career throughout, you know, your different different positions, different specialties that you've worked with? It's tremendous. It's tremendous to this day. Um, You know, I've come a long way um, career-wise. However, every single day, I'm on Paycom's listserv. Um, And sometimes I'm answering questions. Sometimes I'm asking questions. Mm -hmm. The beauty of having um, someone else who does what you do, who's willing to share that information with you, saves you so much time it's like reading a book you know it's often said you can read a book and learn what the author lived his whole life Mm -hmm. to find out in a couple hours right the same thing works with getting information directly from the source it's Mm -hmm. one thing to uh, read a book on how to do something it's another thing to stand next to someone who knows how to do it and learn firsthand it's very important that we as managers share the information we have. You know, there are some managers who say, well, you know, I don't want to share my information because, you know, it can be used against me later on. Never that. 
We have got to feed the people in our industry. The better we are individually, the better we are together. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I I always try to encourage people not to, especially medical receptionists, um, not to be afraid to accept help or accept guidance or accept a mentor or someone who's willing to help them. I know, you know, I had the... Uh, um, the opportunity to help a few people more, I guess, that that had kind of a higher aspiration, that, you sure. know, they knew kind of what direction they wanted to go in. It's like, oh, I want to work in this office, but I want to yes. do something else. Yes. And, you know, sometimes there's not too many places to go in, in a smaller That's private very practice. True. That's there's very not too true. Many. So, you know, working with people to try to create a position or mm-hmm. to, you know, allow them to get new skills to, you know, to go into a different department. So the only way you can do that is by really having that shared knowledge and really, you know, also being open to receiving it. Absolutely. Um, so you you talked about the other environments you've worked in. Mm-hmm. What has drawn you to behavioral health and mental health? You know, it's a funny story. Um, I was having an argument, um, or let's say, let's not say argument. Let's say I was having a great, loud difference of opinion. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> with um with a provider that I worked for at the time and um it didn't resolve well. Okay. Um and I decided to take my skill set elsewhere and it was a medical park. Okay. So, you know, I'm looking back at this doctor and he and I are kind of, you know, yelling at each other and I say to him, you know, I'll go across the street and get a job. And he goes, "Well, go across the street." So, I went across the street. And um, <laughs> and, and and I and I walked into this building and when I walked into the building, there were just patients kind of sitting in the lobby, um, or at least what I believed to be patients sitting in the lobby. And I said, "You know, what kind of you know, doctor's offices. Oh my God, I hope it's not proctology. I hope it's not feet. You know, I don't want to do any of that anymore. And there's a gentleman who's responding to my questions. Um, long story short, he turns out to be the managing physician of this practice. It's a mental health practice. Okay. And I told him, I said, Ooh, well, you know, I don't do crazy. And he's like, really? I think you might, <laughs> <laughs> might need a few services of your own, you know? <laughs> so we got along like a house of fire. And um, I had the great fortune to learn all about mental health and behavioral health from someone who's legendary in that field. Um, and it's very interesting. Um, it's one practice where you'll never have to clean anyone or um, very few tools. You know, mm-hmm. psychiatry can be practiced anywhere. But it is so very vital because the way your mind goes, your body goes. It's very important, especially nowadays with our children and, and this, you know, really quick snap to world. To, to have what we like to call mental health breaks. Just take right. a minute, turn everything <laughs> off, and kind of readjust right. and settle into to what makes us really human, mm-hmm. the human-to-human human connection. Right. Not the cell phone, not the email, not the text message, right. but true looking your friend in the eye and saying, hey, you're my friend, I think you're great, I think you're awesome. Right. That is what makes us human. Not our ability to text 32 you know, words in a second. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Definitely does not do that. Okay, and you're definitely right about that. Disconnection, disconnecting <laughs> from our devices and other Absolutely. things are extremely important. Um, so, I want to know. I want you to tell our our audience what do you do as a compliance officer in this beha- behavioral health setting? Like, what are your biggest um, responsibilities that fall under compliance? Um, compliance really is three. Um, components. There are lots of moving pieces in these components, mm-hmm. but really three components. You're a policy writer. Okay. 
So you take a look at a, a problem or an issue or a service that your, your agency or practice offers. Mm -hmm. You look at the way it's done, and then you write a policy that says, this is the way that we're going to do it because this, we get these really good results when we do it. Mm -hmm. And that's the first component. The second component is that you revise policy okay. because eventually that doesn't work anymore. Right. So you're the person who has the good fortune to go back and say, well... 90% of it works, but these three things don't, so I'm going to have to pull these out and kind of fix it again. Um, the last component of compliance is usually what most people think of compliance officers as the auditing. Okay. Um, and compliance officers get a bad rap because we come down on folk. However, all that time you spent writing that policy, they need to follow. <laughs> so not only uh, in-house policy, which would be um, your policies and procedure manual or standing operating procedure manual mm -hmm. that you would get at work. But there are also state, local, federal laws that have to be followed. Um, we all know about HIPAA. Mm -hmm. um, um, some of us know about high-tech rules, especially if you're um, someone who uses an EMR, EHR. Mm -hmm. um, the Office of the Inspector General has very unique and defined rules for all medical practices. Okay. We have OSHA. Um, and if you're not having uh, a fire drill or an emergency management active shooter drill, um, if you live in like a hurricane zone, a weather right. drill, if you're not having those at least twice a year, you're not compliant. Right. Right. And I know this because I say this to our managers all the time. Right. Where's your fire drill? Right. You know, you don't have to literally pull the fire alarm, but you can say, you know, ding, ding, fire drill, everybody get out the building. Right. It builds muscle memory. Mm -hmm. And that muscle memory can save you in the event of an emergency. Absolutely. So compliance officers kind of stand on the policy. You write the policy, you revise the policy, you kind of polish it up, make it nice, and then you stand on it. And when I say stand on it, there are going to be many issues that people say, well, can we do it this way this one time? Mm -hmm. This is where compliance officers get a bad rap. We want it the same way every single time right. because it's easier for us to assign a value to it if it's the same way every time. If it right. changes... Um, for this patient or this provider, then is it really a policy? Right, right, absolutely. So yeah, the, I spend a lot and of time. Then it writing. becomes a, just a guideline. Maybe. It becomes a best or, practice. Uh, yeah, a best mm -hmm. practice. Right, mm -hmm. that's right, really right. not your best because if it was, <laughs> then, then you'd be, be doing policy. it. Right, then right. everybody be and then doing I it. Audit it, and you know, <laughs> and when the auditor is happy, everybody happy. Everybody you know. <laughs> so give give us an example of a situation where one of your front desk staff would want to connect with you directly on a situation regard, uh, that has to do with compliance? Oh, it happens every day. Okay. Um, I get lots and lots of phone calls. Um, sometimes from my front desk people, mostly from my therapists who work in the field, sometimes okay. from our prescribers and providers. But usually in the front desk what happens is there's someone who doesn't have the proper documentation okay. to become a, a patient with us. Okay. Um, we serve mainly a Medicaid population, mm -hmm. and um, Medicaid in Maryland has very specific set of rules about what constitutes a patient. Okay. Uh, we have a 19-page booklet. I'm a writer. Um, yes. <laughs> a 19-page booklet <laughs> that has all of the the necessary waivers, and you know we've got a um, of course your HIPAA waiver. We've got uh, consent for treatment. We've got um, therapy policy. I mean, every policy that you can think of to kind of get a person up and running. Sometimes there are people who say, I don't want to sign it. Okay. Or there are some people who say, I forgot my ID, which mm -hmm. is a big thing now. Okay. I forgot my identification. 
well, I told you who I was. This is my mom, and she can say that I am who I am. Right. And I got, like, all these credit cards or, you know, other documentation. I, I right. But um, Maryland's rules are very specific. I need to see your photo identification, state issue preferred. Right. And I need to have your insurance card, and we make a color copy um, of those documents in our computer system. Okay. They can't proceed. No one can proceed with an appointment until it's in the system. And I built those and to prevent from them calling me going, Coley, can, you know, her mom's right. got half a passport. Can, can we right. see her? You know, those type of things. So I get a lot of that. Although they know the answer, I ask them to call me. Okay. I'm never angry that they reach out to me because I don't ever want it to be a contentious thing between, between the patient, patient right. and the front Absolutely. desk. Because these aren't the front desk rules. They're right. just following the law. Absolutely. They don't know enough about the law to be able to competently explain to them mm-hmm. that this is a rule that protects you. Right. If you lose your insurance card, anybody could pick it up and go anywhere to any and come provider. and get services. And right. you know, Medicaid doesn't pay for everything. Right. There are some services that Medicaid will pay for once, right. maybe twice in, right. in a certain period of time. You need it, but you can't use it because somebody, somebody else, else uses it, it under right. your name. So it's really a safeguard for yourself. And explaining that to people requires a couple of things. One, you have to be people centric. Right. They have to feel like you're on their side. Absolutely. And busy people aren't. You know, when you're working the front desk, because I work the front desk sometimes here right. in my own offices. Yep. And I'm telling you, I feel like a five-armed right. you know, whirlwind trying yes. to get everything going. Yep. And it's amazing to me because the people who generally work there look like they're not doing much. But I'm up there like, ah, right. ah, you know. It, it feels like it. But just like you have your own organization behind, you know, when you're behind your desk. I know receptions have different, you know, their own processes to keep things in line. That's and very stuff like true. That. <laughs> my um, receptionist knows when I've been in her space, she's like, oh, you moved right. my. Right. And I'm like, well, I needed it, you know, and I'm like looking at her panicked and she goes, what would you do without me? I said, I don't want to know. Right. I don't want to know what I would have right. to do without you. Right. Um, but I think it's important um, from a compliance standpoint for compliance officers not to hide in their offices when there's an issue. Okay. Not to allow your front desk people, who are really the front line right. um, of your practice, the face okay. of your practice, right. to be the one to deliver bad news on a policy set by someone else. Right. I think it's disingenuous, yeah. and it's really, really bad at building camaraderie um, with your right. team. Right. My front desk people know if it's a policy that I wrote, and they all are, mm-hmm. that I stand behind it 100%. There's a reasoning behind that and I don't allow anyone to treat them um, disrespectfully because of something that I decided if they want to come in my office and sit down behind the half door and have a conversation you know I'm all up for that right but what we're not going to do is treat my front line or devalue anyone on it and that that type of support is what I would hope all managers offer to (laughs) to their to their front office staff because um you know I didn't mind take kind of taking the bullet at times you know because they have to see them every single time yes. they come in. Yes. I don't. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be able to explain something more precisely. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to necessarily feel bad. I'm going to have empathy for whatever your situation is. But I can tell you, you know, without it looking like they're just telling you no. Or right. they don't want to do so. Then it, it seems like it all, It may look like, oh, they don't want to help me. Or they, they're not, you know, they won't allow me to do this. But when you come from a manager or a compliance mm-hmm. standpoint, mm-hmm. usually... <laughs> 
usually it will, you know, it usually provides, um, you get a better response or at least you can take it to, you know, a private office, private area, have the conversation with the patient. Well, especially in behavioral health, because we're already dealing with deficits. Right. um, And people don't reach out for help with uh, mental illness or behavioral issues until it's bad. Right. You know, they, there's a million ways to pretend like it's not happening. Um, but then when it gets to the point where you can no longer ignore it, you make the appointment. In some places in our state, it takes six months to get in. To get in. Um, there's wow. a serious provider shortage. Mm. So when they finally do get in and they, you know, got the 19 pages and they got the, the um, insurance card and they got the, the child that needs the help mm-hmm. and they get there and you're like, you don't have an ID, I can't see you. Right. You know, yeah, it's, sometimes it's, be... it's contentious, but, right. you know, I would never leave that on the people that I need to shine 24-7. And that's what you right. need your receptionist to do. Right. Um, you need them to be, as I like to say, on stage at all times. Right. So I don't want anything that's going to, you know, rain on her happy cloud. I want her to be happy, right. well-adjusted, have the tools that she needs. Right. And, and for us, that means having the ability to say no, the right. power to say no, right. with the full backing of her leadership team. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, then she can kind of go on her day mm-hmm. and continue to help every patient that walks in right. instead, instead of having of that, on that heavy thing, you know, that happened mm-hmm. earlier in the day. Um, so I work for a few practices in my day, mm-hmm. and we do not always... Um, there wasn't always a compliance officer present. Sure. So from when I was a receptionist to uh, a manager, I feel like, you know, a lot of times the managers just kind of took on that role. Um, but with all the things that are happening today, why would you say that it's more important now than even before that uh, practices have in-house compliance, certified compliance officers um, in their office? Do you think that's something that everyone should have or, you know... I think, think I think I um, think the quick answer is to say yes, but let me explain why. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many rules coming out of federal agencies so very fast. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to keep up with it, and it's one of my primary functions. I mean, yes, I'm the executive compliance officer, but I still manage all of the offices, right. managers, um, and as you well know, Patients text me 24-7, and I'm not clinical, you know. know? Um, So there are a lot of things to do, but um, my primary focus is to make sure that I know the laws that are coming out. CMS, in the last, say, 30 days, have changed about 10 things, and not little changes, significant changes. The the, um, kind of crushing of the E&M code for all Medicare patients Mm -hmm. happens as a proposed rule July, they say it's going to take effect calendar year 2019. Well, we all know that CMS starts their year in October. Right. So how much time do we have to get ready for this? This is a significant thing that's going to cost the practice money. They're talking about a 2% reduction. Realistically, those numbers are closer to 5 to 10%. Yeah. That could be layoffs. Okay. That could be a lot of things that are going on. Right. But if you don't have someone who's keeping track of that, it you don't know it until it, you get right. your remittance back and <laughs> right. you're like, $93? You know, <laughs> that, that was here? a level five. What am I getting $93? And then right. it, you have to do the backtracking. So the advantage of having a compliance officer is inherent in the name. They keep you compliant. Mm. If you've ever lived through an audit, a Medicaid audit, a Medicare audit, Blue Cross Blue Shield audit, mm. anybody's audit, you understand that they talk to everybody. 
they talk to the receptionist. They're looking for business associate agreements for your cleaning team. Mm -hmm. They kind of come through your practice with a fine tooth comb and just kind of pull it and see what flies out. Well, what happens when you have a compliance officer, especially a certified compliance officer, nine times out of 10, that compliance officer is certified with the same agency or organization that this compliance person who's coming to audit you are. So there's a little camaraderie there. There's a lot of respect that goes into, you know, come on in. We'd love to have you audit. Here are the audits I've done all year long. Here are the deficits that I found, and this is the way we fixed it. So you're already... On top of it, on your because this is what you do. Absolutely. So you're, you're, you know, it's not like oh, at the end of the year we're trying to gather all this information no. and, and you know make sure things happened six months ago. You're just constantly yes. following up and keeping your own records. I do chart audits every single day. Mm-hmm. Every single day, I'm looking at somebody's work. I'm not only checking for. Um, content. Mm-hmm. I'm also checking to make sure their names are spelled right. The mm-hmm. social security number is correct. Mm-hmm. Um, their addresses are correct. All of these little things ding up on an audit. Mm-hmm. Um, my front desk staff gets audited. Okay. They do very well because they don't like to get dinged. Um, right. And those, for me, I'm a prize type of person. I reward good behavior. So right. they get dinged. There's no pizza. And they're like, oh, you know, yeah. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we make sure that um, Everything is what it's supposed to be. And it goes so very well hand in hand with being a certified medical manager because one of the things that certified medical managers do mm-hmm. is you make sure that everything has a place and everything's in that place. Right. Um, it's a valuable asset to a practice mm-hmm. because eventually everybody gets audited. And you'd right. rather get audited with a compliance officer, compliance officer who says, I know we had this problem. Mm-hmm. This is the way we plan to fix it. And this is what we've already done. You don't get dinged for that. There's no demerit for that. In fact, they like that. They right. like that you know what's going on in your practice right. and, and you're willing to fix it. Right. What usually happens, though, if you don't have a certified compliance officer and perhaps the manager who's wearing 16 hats, right. you know, that's her Wednesday hat, right. you know, right. be the compliance <laughs> right. officer, right. and she says that she did an audit and certified auditor comes in and looks at it and says, you know, definitely not an audit. And... How did you look past this mistake? How did you look past that error? Mm-hmm. This note's not signed. This note says it's Charlie, but the name on the, the chart says Roxanne. Right. You know, little things like that can happen. Yes. Um, but when you say you've looked at it and you said it was all good, now they're looking at you. Right. One of the most horrible things that can happen to a, a compliance officer is that you do an audit and it's wrong and you know it's wrong and you file it anyway because eventually it will come to light. And when it comes to light and your company has to pay that money back, they don't only look at the company owner, they're looking at you. You know, there have been huge cases where the office of the inspector general, um, recently there was one in Texas was like two and a half million dollars, not only attached the owners of the company, the managing physicians of the company, also the compliance officer. Because you're a corporate officer. You know where the bodies are buried. You know where the dirt is. And it's your responsibility to make sure that your company lives up to the promise of quality care for all the patients. Wow. Wow. It's a lot. It's a big big responsibility. Mm -hmm. But in that big responsibility, um, what have, you know, since you've taken on that additional role, what are some of the processes that you've implemented um, you know, maybe something that came to light after, you know, after you've done your training. Mm-hmm. Um, have you done to improve the processes of the office? One of the big things I noticed, we used to have a um, 
I don't want to call it an aromatherapy room, but like a decompression room mm -hmm. where patients could come and there were bean bags and, you know, nice lighting. And uh, we had the white noise machine playing the wave. Okay. <laughs> um, and we thought on paper, that's a great idea for a behavioral health practice. Mm -hmm. I mean, with everybody's, you know, chill vibes and mellowed out, our day mm -hmm. would go smooth. Right. Well, unless everybody has the same the favorite beanbag chair and somebody else is sitting on it. Right. You know, it, we found ourselves overcompensating for problems we didn't have yet. Right. Um, right. And, and that came about from me doing an audit. Uh -huh. How many complaints did we have before we had the decompression room mm -hmm. about wait times, about, um, you know, other patients interacting or, mm -hmm. you know, behavior that was out of line in the waiting room. Mm -hmm. Um, we had very few of those. Mm -hmm. And then we said, well, to address those three or four problems, we'll do this new thing. Mm -hmm. um, and we did the new thing, and our problems went up by 36%. Oh, wow. Um, and then we said, okay, well, maybe if we just get the same bean bags for everybody. You know, mm -hmm. all the chairs look the same. Now people are mad at us because all of the chairs look the same. So we oh, created problems right. for ourselves. Right. The beautiful thing about having a compliance officer is that somebody's looking at the numbers going, you know, this was dumb. We should right. have never done this. We right. got ourselves in the hole. Right. Um, so we took away um, the uh, decompression room and made it a standard lobby where we have chairs. We've got a flat screen TV that plays HGTV. There's no other channels. Mm -hmm. um, we still kept a couple of the perks. We have water, you know, ice cold right. water. Um, we have the um, little buzzers, pagers, where they can go out and um, onto the parking lot and smoke or go okay. in their cars. We have a... Um, a park behind us so they can go to the park okay. and if they have to wait long then we'll just buzz them and they can yeah, come back okay. so we we that's solved good, the problem that's a good uh yeah thing. yeah okay. cost two hundred dollars right right, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah, not the nice. three thousand dollar you know like, decompression get, like fresh air <laughs> right yeah it, it cost us two hundred dollars to solve a problem that we spent about six grand on mm -hmm. um that we created for ourselves mm -hmm. um so sometimes you have the right idea. You, you wanted to do this wonderful thing that people didn't ask you for. Right, um, right. Um, and you find out that, one, it's not wonderful and they don't want it. Right, um, right. And now, you, but knowing <laughs> that you, you have someone on your staff who's looking at those numbers mm -hmm. and it's not just an emotional reaction to it because the staff love the decompression room. I mean, I dug it. I'm going to be honest right. with you. Give me a couple of drops of that jasmine oil. Right. On a, you know, I'm like, hey, that's, nice, that's right, really nice. right. The patients, not so much. They thought it was kind of hokey. Right. Yeah. And it might work elsewhere. It just Absolutely. didn't work here. And you paid attention to that, and that's kind of what we have to do. We did um, a full-scale audit. Yeah. Um, and I full-scale audit a lot of things. And, and that 36% was a very real number to me. Yeah. Um, because um, imagine 36% of your patients not wanting to come there because of Because of that, yeah. That's you know, huge. I'm not giving up 36% of my pay. I was just going to say, it translates into, <laughs> right. into right. income and visits and everything else. Absolutely. Um, so can you give us, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to phrase this a little differently. Sure. Um, because you have kind of a pretty vast experience. Um, what advice would you give to managers and even front office staff to not only help with compliance, but also just their overall health of their, their front desk and their, you know, their anything that you can give. You're like top three things that you would tell someone if you met, I'm a new manager or I work at the front desk and this is happening. Like, what would you tell someone to kind of help them get through, you know? 
to, I'm sorry, not to get through, but to just maybe improve things uh-huh. or to keep compliant or keep it at back. So one of the, the most important things in any practice that you'll especially hear from compliance officers, mm-hmm. communication, communication, communication. It solves 99% of the problems in the workplace, mm-hmm. and the 1% that it doesn't is not really a problem. I'm going to be very honest with you. So many managers do not effectively communicate with the staff. Mm-hmm. Um, managers are busy, and I get that. You know, as a manager myself, I know I'm busy. Right. Um, you know, I've got four screens in this office, five screens at the house. <laughs> I'm a busy person. However, that does not relinquish my responsibility to make sure that my staff has what they need to be successful and that I'm speaking to them human being to human being. Right. I'm not saying, you know, look at me, big manager. I'm sitting on a, the, the chair with wheels and right. you don't have any wheels. You know, yeah. some places I've worked myself where managers were on a whole nother planet mm-hmm. um, and the practice was somewhere else. Right. And it's not. Um, nefarious in any way, but sometimes you, as a manager, you get caught up in a project right. and the chips just have to fall where they are. Right. But if we're communicating and I'm telling you, um, you know, Siobhan, I've got this big project I've got to do. I'm going to need you to hold down the front for me. I trust you. I have faith in your ability. If you need something, you know, like if you're on fire or right. you know, you right. know, someone's you chasing something. you in the night, yeah, exactly. you know, right? Then, me. then call me <laughs> or maybe text me or send right. me an email. But otherwise, my head's going to be out of the game. I need yeah. you to hold the fort down. Mm-hmm. Now, as someone who's worked the front desk, I would have felt empowered. I would right. have been like, okay, okay. you trust me right. and I'm going to show you right. I'm going to mm-hmm. show you that all the things I know how to do and I'm only going to call you if, you know, the front office is on fire and I can't <laughs> right. put the it out. You know what I mean? Run. Yes. To have that, to say that to someone who's new in our industry or even not so new in the industry, but likes to work the front desk because there are people like me. I like to answer the phone, mm-hmm. you know, who like to work the front desk. That vote of confidence mm-hmm. And that little bit of vulnerability saying, listen, I'm human just like you are. My boss is on my case. I got to get this thing done. Right. It brings people together. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big middle, middle of the road person. You know, I have uh, several managers who work for me. I have an assistant who's also a manager. Mm-hmm. And out of all of those people, they will tell you there's not one thing that they can't call me and say. You know, I have clients that, that text me all kind of, you know, knock, knock jokes in the middle of the night and all that kind of thing, mm-hmm. because I want people to feel like when they communicate with me or they come to me, they're leaving me better right. than when they came. Absolutely. That is what makes a good manager. Not necessarily how many letters you have behind your name. Listen, I love alphabet soup behind my name. Right. I, I love it. It makes the resume look sterling, <laughs> right, you know, right, right. but the reality is if those letters don't translate into really good people skills. Right. It's what not, are you doing with yourself? Right. And that's that's healthcare in general. I think Absolutely. the communication is huge, and I'm glad you said that because that is number one. Yeah, <laughs> you know, the communication is number communication, one. You know, communi- all three of my answers are right. Communication. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and, I, and I'll take that because that you know that's huge. And I, um, you know, when I was working with the OBGYN mm-hmm. group. Eventually, I was managing two offices, which I hadn't done, you know, for most of my career. Mm-hmm. And um, then it's like, you have to stay in touch with, you know, yes. all your people in, in every yes. place and, you know, be present and still know what's what's going on here and there. And, you know, it's just, it's very important, but for you to be fair and to allow people to know that they can come to you 
and talk to you and reach out to you. He's like, just because I'm over here doesn't mean right. I have no time, you know, but just make sure that our time is, it's you know, meaningful. being, right, right. is meaningful it's, time. It's, it's, have it together before you call, you know. And right. And, deal and with you this. know, I have this conversation <laughs> with my, one of my therapists now and, um, Boy, I just love her. She's terrific. She's a fantastic therapist. Um, she works a lot with our um, recovering opioid addicts. Um, so she has a very specific skill set that is in extraordinarily high demand. But she's a terrific therapist. And if you know, if I knew half of what she knew um, or knows, you know, I could start my right. whole entire business somewhere else. <laughs> right, but right. Um, the one thing that she does that you know that just makes me want to kill her is that. <laughs> She starts in the middle of a sentence. So she doesn't give you enough information to know what she's talking about. So you kind of have to listen. Mm -hmm. And then you give her a few minutes. And then she kind of says, oh, that's right. You don't know this. Blah, 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 blah. Um, She's in her head a lot. And and she has, I think, like um, 28, 29 clients. Mm -hmm. So she's in her head a whole lot. You know, she's cycling through information. So she'll walk up and say, I scanned it. And walk away from you. And you're like... (laughs) <laughs> okay, I'm just going to put that in the file and come back when you're finished with, you know, that thought. Right. Or she'll say, oh, um, somebody was in drug court and I scanned a subpoena. Uh, okay, well, okay. You, it's nice to have it all together. Right. But right. if you're going to give me pieces, I'm going to take them and I'm going to put them in a little box and put it on a shelf until you're ready. Right. That is communication. Right. That's communication. It may sound like she's not a very good communicator. Completely opposite the difference. What makes it a good communication is because I know enough about this person. I cared enough to figure out how her right. thought process works. Right. So I don't judge her for it. Right. You know, right. now would I ever walk up to somebody and say, I scanned it. Absolutely not. Right. Because you know, I'm a compliance officer and right. the, uh, there's a certain type of person that finds joy in that particular job. It's not something that everybody would want to do, right. but I'm, you know, fortunate enough that I'm that person. Right. Um, right. So I try to be, as effective a communicator as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a prankster, um, so I prank a lot. <laughs> Do that quite like often. Have fun. <laughs> um, um, and so the people who work with me, um, regardless if they're with me physically or I'm communicating via Skype or, you know, on the phone or texting, whatever, they understand that, you know, there's time for play and there's a time when I'm really, really serious. And then there's a time when, you know, I'm kind of loving you on the backside. So sometimes being a compliance officer is a band-aid kind of experience. Um, And I love you to death. I think you're wonderful. You're great at your job. But if you don't start signing these notes, I'm going to have to fire you. (laughs) Exactly. It's a band-aid. Love you, love you, love you. You know, on the backside. (laughs) But I need you to do this. Right. You know, I don't want you to make my job harder. Right, right, right. I need you to make your job better. And it's a safeguard for for your office. You know, it just just really reduces the issues that you may have in the future. And you're saving them time. You know, if you were doing this once a year and not as regularly as you're doing it, then it's... We would be in real trouble. And we've seen that. And it happens. It happens So we know. (laughs) So we know. As an auditor, I can tell you what happens. If I go into um, one of the offices and I do a simple chart audit, I'll just, you know, I use a randomizer, just pulls Mm -hmm. up, you know, five, six names. Mm -hmm. And I go into one chart and it's not signed. Mm -hmm. One encounter, it's not signed. Guess what my inclination is? Right. I'm going back to the randomizer and I'm pulling 40 names 
Yeah. Uh-huh. And then going. if I find some more that are not signed, I'm looking at all of your work product for the year. And I'm going yeah. through with a fine-tooth comb. And it's not because I'm trying to say, aha, got you. Right. What I'm trying to do is prevent CMS from coming going, aha, got you. You know, right. so right. it's easier and, and a much better, smoother process to do it in-house. Hopefully you have an office and a compliance officer who's personable, who has a good enough rapport with the staff right. that when there's something that's wrong or something that's... um. Um, borderline, right. we do have some borderline moments right. where we can sit down and hammer out a compromise. Right. Again, because I'm the person who writes the policy, right. if all of the staff are doing it a certain way and the policy says to do it the other way, I'm not changing the staff, right. I'm changing and the policy. policy. Right. But right. I need right. to have empirical data mm-hmm. to take to my owner and say, this used to be your policy, and it was a good policy, and it worked for years, but the staff is doing it another, another way. And Here's working. the data right. that shows that it's better this mm-hmm. other way, right. um, so we're going to change it. Right. And that's great that you all consider what your staff is doing, because, again, they're doing it every day. This is what they do, and sometimes... They may have better ideas or they may have a better way, time. you know, and some places are not always open to that. And that's why I kind of encourage receptionists to not hold back. You know, if you have an idea or if you have um, a process or anything that can help your office, don't be afraid to share that, you know, with mm-hmm. someone or create it yourself if you have to. Sometimes you got to do it yourself. But, um, you know, because just because you're in one role doesn't mean that your experience has not allowed you to provide a little more absolutely and um, i always say that we know so much more than we think we do and you know once you find um and and this happens everyone has these little aha moments throughout the day when you start to listen to that voice don't be afraid to be the idea person i mean my first medical receptionist job you know, I had ideas every day, right. so much so that my then manager kept a no file and it was all mine. And she'd be like, no, we're not doing that. No, no. Yeah. Every now and again, she'd throw me a yes. And it was like a party, right. you know, right. but it showed her that I was so invested in what I wanted to do for a living um, and invested in the company that I was thinking outside of the box. Mm-hmm. I got continual raises because the owners were like, that's not such a bad idea. I mean, right. if we could afford it, it would right. be great. You know, yeah. I came up with a smart scheduling solution so mm-hmm. that um, people didn't have to wait a long time because, you know, working the front desk, mm-hmm. you get the brunt of, I've been here too long. Right. They don't ever go to the doctor and be like, yeah, you made me wait. They're just so happy to be seen. Um, so one of the things I wanted to do was to institute an on-time, every-time schedule. Okay. My manager said, absolutely not. Because that's going to require a whole lot of changes, and we're not doing that because, you know, you're rambunctious. We're not doing that, you know. So I said, well, can I at least just show it to you? Can I make a PowerPoint and show it to you? And she goes, fine. You can show it at the office meeting on Friday because we had Friday and Monday office meetings. So, I, you know, you know me. Yeah, the beautiful Ready PowerPoint, <laughs> right? You know, it's fading in and out and pixelated, you know. So it was visually stunning. Right. And um, all of the managing physicians were there. Some of the partner physicians were there. And they said, we can't afford it. Okay. We just can't afford to do it that way. It would We would need to hire so many more people. But this is brilliant. And we mm-hmm. love that you know enough about us mm-hmm. and that you care enough about our patients to even put this together. Right. So we think... That, you know, we're going to bump you up. And I'm like, hey, yeah, I got other PowerPoints. You. Because, you know, right. I, I can show you a lot of other I've things. I've reorganized <laughs> your whole office. You know? Right, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
listen, Coley, you have been wonderful uh, guest today, and thank you so much for sharing all of your experience with us. Um, you've been a huge supporter of the Medical Receptionist Network, yeah, and also the Medical Receptionist Handbook to Success sure. uh, from the beginning. And um, you know, having the responsibilities um, that you have in your various roles in the healthcare industry, I just have found your feedback and support very. Um, important and I value it very much. <laughs> so oh, I just want to say thank you. My eyes were so much. Well. Um, but we do like to end our show on kind of a interesting or a fun note. Mm -hmm. So we're going to ask you a question that does have nothing to do with healthcare. Okay. So last but not least, if you could decide to live anywhere in the world tomorrow, where would it be? Where would it be? Ah. Uh. There's a picture on my wall right behind you. That's the picture of uh, the view of uh, Maui. Okay. Um, um, my mentor, Dr. Peter Mandelis, got rest his soul, and I uh, traveled there quite often. Um, him more, definitely more often than me. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm, I'm a working <laughs> staff. Right. But, um, there's a lanai. Um, the, these homes here are small because it's, you know it's an island. And there's a lanai, and then there's like a uh, guest house. Mm. Um, so this is the view out of the space between the lanai and the guest house, and wow. um, you know it is just an amazing place. It's a very sentimental place for me, and it just reminds me of good times, happy times. Um, some very funny times. You, you know, I'm not a bug girl and there are a bunch right. of geckos. Uh -oh. um, even in the picture, there's a spider in the picture. Oh, no. You know, oh, yeah. so, yeah. Um, <laughs> outside of that is a wonderful place. Right, you know, right, um, right. I, I really had uh, some very interesting um, conversations there. Mm -hmm. um, we used to play this game with, if you could... Um, have a conversation with anyone who's ever lived, who would you talk to? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we had, you know, Chuck E. Cheese and <laughs> Mario from Mario Brothers. I mean, right. you know, <laughs> you sit on the beach in paradise and allow and your just, mind to just, just ponder the universe. Yeah. And it's a beautiful, beautiful place. And the people there are so very loving and, and not in a, you know, you know, kind of uh, physical way, mm -hmm. but in an emotional, cerebral kind of way. Like, you mm -hmm. know, if they see two people sitting on the beach and they look introspective, they're not coming over going, hey, how are you? You know, right. they just kind of leave you to yourself so you can do your thing. Mm -hmm. But if you look lost, these are people who would take you home, feed you, you know, give right. you a shower, or drive you to where you were going, you know, originally. <laughs> right, they're right, a right. very, very special type of people wow. um, that would probably be abused and taken advantage of here on the mainland. <laughs> right. So they stay on this very happy island right. um, where people come to visit for a little taste of paradise. So I would absolutely be sitting on my wicker chair looking out the window hoping that spider didn't come for me didn't come for you <laughs> <laughs> well hopefully you get to experience maui again oh i can't wait and um thank you again coley bennett everyone um we will see you next next time on the medical receptionist network podcast thank you for listening thank you thank you for listening to another episode of the medical receptionist network podcast show don't forget to visit our website, medicalreceptionistnetwork.com, and subscribe to our newsletter. If you're looking for a great resource for medical receptionists, make sure you grab your copy of the Medical Receptionist Handbook to Success available on Amazon. Lastly, if you have not subscribed to this podcast, please find us on your favorite podcast player and subscribe today. Until next time, keep being amazing. <laughs>